0: Hello everybody and welcome to the September 2017 Q&A episode of Weekly Mongo Recap. I'm Nick here with Chris here to answer some questions and also ask some. We're asking, why is there air?
1: That's a good one. Um, I think because we need it.
0: Ooh, so you're taking the, the human centric approach. The universe was created so that we could exist in it.
1: Yes. Everything Mm. has been. It's not just that, it's a little bit more specific. Everything has been created and exists for the express purpose of helping this podcast exist. Mm. I've yet to understand exactly why platypuses exist and how that helps weekly manga recap, but I'm gonna find it one day. I'm gonna
0: find a reason. You're just gonna like come into the middle of the podcast one day and just be like, Nick, I figured it out. <laughs> Chris we need to talk about I don't know Hitman Reborn and he's like no
1: I'm like Nick that bullshit can wait for later (laughs) the platypus saved my life
0: today that's why that's why they were here (laughs) so that we could continue on
1: yeah I mean like it's like uh, I realized the reason horses exists is so that they could one day do BoJack Horseman and I could realize that I should not watch that much depressing television because it (laughs) triggers my depression and that is a bad thing.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm that shows. On,
1: that show's on, dark. On. I, I legitimately can't watch that show anymore. <laughs> I'm like, I, I keep asking people about the new season. I'm like, they're like, oh yeah, new season's great. I'm like, does he change? Is there any inclination at all that Bojack <laughs> <his> Horseman'
0: <self-destructive laughs> tendencies ever stop? <laughs>
1: is he ever going to be someone different than who he's shown himself to be every other chance? They're like. No, not really. I'm like man, I'm not watching. They're like, oh, but it's so f- I don't care. I I I just
0: can't at this point, guys. It's like if I asked it was like about the newest freaking morning, like do, d- do they ever stop belching? Do they stop making belch noises at any <laughs> points? No, no, that's still part of the delivery. Okay, I'm good then.
1: You're like, ah, yeah, like I I think we'll be we'll be good at that
0: that point. But there's so many physics jokes it doesn't matter. <laughs> Whenever uh Justin Rowland and Dan Harmon make a belch-free version of Rick and Morty I'll give another shot but <laughs> <laughs> the belchless version <laughs> Exactly the the belchless cut <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh man Uh yeah we got some uh, we got some manga to talk about today Whole bunch uh, of them, No we have questions Dan, Oh wait just... no that's what we're doing that's the show <laughs> Oh
0: no it's not Wednesday at all
1: <laughs> Oh what a fool I've been uh, yeah,
0: we got, we got we some, some answers first, I believe, though.
1: Yes. So last time I asked you guys, what was a character who fascinates you? Tell us about a character in manga who simply fascinates you. And we get, we got some pretty interesting answers here. Uh, one from Insert Witty Name Here, who says, I gave some serious thought to what character I think is fascinating. And strangely, I came to Saitama from One Punch Man. He's a mm. guy whose trials and tribulations don't come from his enemies, but from his own ability to destroy enemies with ease. It's all played for last, but he suffers from inui, or inui, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Ennui And general unfulfillment at what he worked so hard to do. And unlike so many battle manga, he can't do anything about it because he's too strong. It's usually yeah, the he hero. He just
0: power through it because that just means he gets more powerful and yeah. get, things get easier. Uh, it's usually the hero is too weak
1: and needs to overcome some great obstacle by pushing their limits or awakening deep power, but Saitama's problem is that he broke past his limits.
0: It is an interesting examination and a deconstruction of the entire kind of genre, really. Mm-hmm. So I I totally get that.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see there's like a fascinating sort of character in that. Uh, Pheasant Tail said Nita from Monster is fascinating because she actually has a lot in common with Johan, but she uses those traits to fight against him. Obviously, she's not the sociopath her brother is, but she does have a callousness towards killing that suggests she's not without her own issues. Her determination and uh, willfulness make her a very likable character, while sar- while her psychology makes her interesting. It's also cool that she, a young woman, is trying to spare a middle-aged man from killing someone since it's usually the other way around in stories. hmm That's a very good point. Nina is a very good character. I think I, I don't think of her as much because I tend to, like, gravitate more towards Kana when I think of, like, the, uh, uh from 20th Century Boys and, uh, Urasawa stories, but Nita right. is a very good character. And last one I have here is from Thank You Base James. He says, one manga character I find absolutely fascinating is Elijah Ballard, the protagonist in Eden, It's an Endless World. His friends and family dynamic create very interesting character relationships, but the reason I find Elijah fascinating is that he fails at every single good thing he tries to do. Uh, he gives a bunch of examples that are spoilers. Uh, I won't read those out since there's a chance we might read this manga on the podcast sometime. Uh, but he finishes, I say, what makes him so interesting to me is that Elijah is a simple character. He gets plenty of character progression during the course of the series, and he pretty much remains a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve the entire time. And the fact he's never unaffected by the horrible things that happen to him slash he is responsible for makes him an excellent vehicle for exploring the idea of guilt, what it can do to a person, how it can drive their actions, and how it can ultimately push into even darker places. Ooh. So, a lot of interesting takes on those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very curious to read about this Elijah character. I I, I cut out the spoiler stuff there, Nick, but it involves, like, cyborgs and murder and drug dealers. It it involves (laughs) a lot of stuff. So, uh, I'm very curious to see what that's all about sometime.
0: Yeah, those are some great responses, honestly.
1: Yeah, no, thank you very much, guys. I think that was a really interesting one. Uh, And, of course, we always have a question for you guys each month. So, our question this month... Uh, since the Emmys just happened, and yeah. uh, apparently I need to watch The Handmaid's Tale, because that one fucking everything, and I still don't really know what it's about. It's Is it different from Downton Abbey? Are they different, or are they just <laughs> stories about old people I don't give a fuck about? I don't know. Ooh. I hear it's interesting, I don't know. But, in, in the spirit of the Emmys, if you were to make a TV show based on characters from a manga, what Ooh. kind of show would you make? So you can go any direction you want with this. You could say, oh, I'm going to take the cast of One Piece and we're going to make a dramatic One Piece series. Or you could say, I'm going to take the cast of One Piece and we're going to make a hilarious comedy series that like parodies the world of One Piece. Or you could say, I'm going to take one motherfucker from One Piece and I'm going to place him into the cast of everything else and we're going to make this crazy nonsense series. You guys, I just want to know what kind of show you would make if you could take characters from manga and create an entire TV series out of them. You can you can. This is the in. kind of
0: question that we get. Yeah, and, and you <laughs> how can, do you guys like it? <laughs>
1: exactly. I'm putting it on you now. The onus is on you. Uh, you guys. Everyone's can, like, I had a lot of fun doing this.
0: Fuck you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's the only question you have to answer. Uh, you <laughs> can tell us anything you want about it. You can tell us who you want in it. Who you would. Cast to play them, if it's live action, how long it'd be, if it's Netflix, on uh, cable, whatever you want. Just let us know what you would do to make a TV show based on characters from a manga. Okay. There you
0: go. Alright, and then a uh, question for each other.
1: Yes. Uh, I, I, I don't know, my question's pretty heavy, Nick. I don't know okay. if, uh, mm-hmm. you know what? Let's, let's just get into this. You know, we, we talked a little bit earlier about Bojack Horseman, brought in some sensitive topics, there's a lot of, uh, Heavy discussion too within those those answers from our audience. So uh you know, take a seat, Regal. Nick. Um, okay.
0: Jason Jordan's new theme song. What say you, Nick? <laughs> oh my God, it's so much better than the original version of it. <laughs> is
1: is it good? Is the question <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> I need to know if you think it's good or not because I heard this. It's at
0: least Passable. Okay. Um, Now that they've turned it into guitar with with rap over it, it's, oh my god, like, it was the worst thing ever when it was just the weird discordant trumpets. It was (laughs) the worst thing. So I will take a thousand listens of the new version of his song over one of the original. So there you go. Because
1: I got the, I heard it for the first time, and I was like, I like this. But I had this thing in my head that I was like, because you, you know how we've had these weird moments where we find we connect on odd things, like oh, we both love eggnog, and the Water Temple from Ocarina of Time. I was like, sure. this could be one of those things we don't connect on, and it tears the foundation of relationship apart. If I'm like, I love it's the Jason Jordan theme song, song. and you like, we
0: already, we already disagree on Seth Rollins' theme song, so
1: <laughs> yeah, but who cares? Fuck that i mean i don't i don't care about that <laughs> <laughs> you care about this. i care about jason jordan's theme song and the
0: reaction to that though. <laughs> i guess
1: i was worried but, i i, would, I wouldn't i was not sure
0: uh yeah no the the one that's that's honestly really annoying honestly is big cats theme song because he hasn't had a good one and the two very different tries they've had at it uh but he's gone now, so uh Yeah,
1: they have plenty of time to make a good one for when he comes back.
0: Well, but they have time to.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: All right. My question for you is um all right, so uh I'm about I'm a little more than halfway through reading Prince of Tennis, oh. rereading Prince of Tennis for the fourth or fifth time by now. Um and it's all kinda of come flooding back to me. Including the really dumb complaints that I have about the series, which just kind of come out because like I'm in such a bad mood when I read it for the like legit actual reasons I have for hating it, that little things that would only bug me a little bit normally now annoy me to no end. Uh, mostly in terms of this is not how you play tennis. That's not how that works. That's a rule violation and that doesn't make any physical sense. Why is hitting the ball with one hand more powerful than with two hands? Uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So my question for you is, what is the dumbest thing that you can remember that's annoyed you when you're reading manga? Like, you know, it, it really annoys you in the moment. And then, like, you think about it after you're not in the moment anymore. And you're like, oh, it's kind of stupid that I got annoyed by that.
1: Huh. I know there's so many of these that probably exist throughout time on Weekly Manga Recap that people could like, point to and be like, that was what you got upset about? <laughs> but I'm so bad at trying to think of one off the top of my head on that. Uh, when it comes to manga, I, I tend to be pretty annoyed any time, like, uh, fights get made into, like, joke fights or things like that. I don't know, like, when I get, when I get like, really hyped from it, like, uh, it looks like a fight's gonna happen between two characters, and then, like... One character does like a fucking poke to the butt, yeah. The other dude's beaten, and you're just like, "Ah, you fuck! I hate you!" I mean, this is basically me, like, preemptively being like, "Look, Flame of Recca might not actually be that bad. I might just be a very butt heart person because I spent all that money on it and then got burned." Uh, but I don't know. I, I think I have a lot of very. I think a lot of people might even just say that most of my complaints towards manga tend to be petty in the grand scheme of things. So... <laughs> Like I know there has to be like an example of even just recently where I've been like, I mean Sudan, you could even look at it and just be
0: like, yes, I mean come yes. on, like. <laughs> your
1: main complaint about it is that it's too happy of a series? I'm like, yeah, I mean, come on. What's happening?
0: That girl's gotta get run over by a car now. <laughs>
1: Something's gotta, like, does her grandfather die sometime soon? Or, uh, maybe, like, her mom can't afford the house anymore, so she's really, like, scrambling to try to find money and who knows what, like, dark turns she'll have to make. Like, she might have to become, like, a drug dealer or something like that. <laughs> like, in Breaking Bad with the soccer players in becomes the background a- and shit. Becomes a hitman. <laughs> yeah, well, she's, yeah, she's the new, uh, Katakiyo hitman reborn. Turns to a baby and everything,
0: <laughs> uh, people said she doesn't have school. to age backwards as much.
1: <laughs> uh, Someone in the chat brought up prison school. I'm sure yeah, prison school is one you could uh, look at in a way that I had a very petty complaint on. And I was like, uh, I just didn't, I didn't get what they were kind of going for. I just didn't gel with what they were going for. So now yeah, there's elements to that. Um, I mean, that is
0: a legit stupid mean spirited series though. <laughs> <so>.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of like the. The one series I was really bitter and shitty towards, though, and I don't know if I can. I, I know that there has been one. I just I cannot for the life of me think of it. Okay. I mean, bubbles shooting roller or roller skate shooting bubbles is not the stupidest thing in air gear, but that still got me caught up for a while. Or the screw can that can stop the sorrow. Like it's just there's there's the small stuff that isn't actually like the big problems of the series, but they're the parts right. that like right. you catch on to and you're just like, oh fuck this.
0: All right, fair enough. All right, let's get to our actual questions. I believe we're starting on one from Tropical Blitz. Yes. Right. Do okay. Want,
1: do you want to start? I'll take it. Okay.
0: It's it's a very long one, honestly. That's actually very simple questions. Uh, there's a very long rant about what what constitutes a sandwich. Um. Anyway, hello, Chris, the Hand of God Gooper Edition, Larios, and Ouch. Nick doesn't use escort services but number one whenever escort service looks to call someone freeman i'm not sure how i feel about that compliment <laughs>
1: at first i was like mine's really mean but then yours came in i was like i guess mine's better if i'm just a goober
0: well because it's like i think it's supposed to be like a very backhanded compliment because it's like yeah people want to pay to have sex with It's like do you think i'm a I'm a hooker? What? <laughs>
1: I thought it was, you don't use escort services, but escort services call you...
0: I mean, that did happen one time in the middle of the, of, of an episode. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: there you go. I guess that's, yeah, that's what they're going for.
0: Yeah. Anyway. How's it going, guys? Happy um 2020. Uh, yeah. All right. Know. Questions. I'm not sure if you guys have heard, but the Chinese president, Xi Jinping, and I'm Sorry, I'm pretty sure I got that wrong. Uh, announced in 2017 that he would personally be the new leader of the new world order. My question to you comes in two folds. One, do you think that the WWE will doctor old footage of Hulk Hogan and replace him with Xi Jinping? Or will they just pretend that nothing has changed and that Hulk was always a Chinese man?
1: Hmm.
0: Interesting. Loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to fall for this one. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is... <laughs> Fool me I'm gonna 12 I'm going to give times. a very
0: neutral question on this one. Kumquat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't, sounds, can't
1: twist that one. Sounds kind of like kumquat, so maybe I'll change it to a less uh, suggestive vegetable. Okay. Pussy lettuce. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: And second, first movie for the Neo-NWO team, Little Trouble in Big China, or The Karate President. Oh, man.
1: I mean, did the NWO ever do movies outside of No Holds Barred?
0: They did their, like, weird backstage things. I don't know. Um, and I guess that maybe some of them showed up in, um, Ready to Rumble.
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Ready to Rumble, not No Holds Barred. Sorry.
0: Well, Hogan was in No Holds Barred, so. Yeah, but not the NWO. That's true. I uh, Alright, uh Vice, a website that posts a ton of news and, and theories about stuff in America, dropped a bombshell which altered my view on everything I used to believe in. This goes back to the very first Q&A I sent you guys in the Patreon era, so I had to go and listen back to confirm how much this news has shaken me to my core. Back then I asked the simple question that almost tore the pockets part of what is a sandwich since burritos were considered sandwiches by the U.S. law, and there was great debate in regards to hot dogs and ice cream sandwiches and pies. But this Vice article, it made me reconsider a lot of things because, according to them, even a pizza can be considered a sandwich, an open-face sandwich. There's not really a question attached to this whole thing. It's just a long diatribe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so to do this, I have uh, – it's actually in a podcast that's about to come out uh, for Super Layers Brothers. I discuss actually this very topic with someone. Uh, and we do it by discussing the side, the sandwich alignment chart, which I I think you may have already seen Todd in the shadow posted it. I just linked it to you again if you needed it. But, uh, it's basically the, the old alignment chart with the idea of like what constitutes a sandwich and you can make that sort of distinction there. When I first read it, you know, I was like, okay, well, BLT is a sandwich. Obviously a sub I'd consider a sandwich and then the, the, I don't know what the chip buddy is. It's essentially like fries and ketchup in a sandwich. It looks like I was like, that's a sandwich enough. But then I started considering it more and I was like, I guess I consider like a chicken wrap a sandwich. And I guess if that's the case, I guess a burrito would kind of be a sandwich. And then it would be weird to like go with the two and not say a hot dog is I went down a list, Nick. I I really went Mm -hmm. down a rabbit hole, uh, before I eventually said on everything is a sandwich except for the ice cream taco and a Pop Tart.
0: I'm kind of on the same stance when you when in regards to that chart, and I I guess it's kind of weird because yeah, there's a certain point where like the ingredients overwhelm the actual structure. Like an ice cream sandwich, sure, but no, you can't have an ice cream taco be a sandwich. That's just ridiculous. That's <laughs>
1: fucking absurd. Get out of here, with Pop-Tart, that Get the
0: fuck out. Go to jail. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're not even of sugar cinnamon. You don't even deserve to exactly. live.
0: Exactly. Why would you want a, to want a not sandwich if it's not brown sugar cinnamon? <laughs> and don't you dare fucking toast it.
1: <laughs> I forgot that attract the thing you don't toast them. <laughs> That's not weird. It's not weird. I just, I love that you have a very, you love Pop-Tarts, but you have a very specific way of liking Pop-Tarts. have uh, a very specific way of eating them, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I bite all the corners off, then slowly around the edges... <laughs> No, you gotta go, you gotta go, uh, three of the edges, and then I break off a piece, and eat that one, and then I eat the rest of it. It's very specific. Why do you break off the piece? Because when I was a child... (laughs) Okay? I was always fascinated by the way that they would pull apart the Pop-Tart in the commercials, so I would do that when I ate them. Okay, but you know what? That makes sense. It's, so it's uh, a nostalgic thing.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's, that's 100% reasonable. I thought it was be something crazier, like, I'm trying to find the golden ratio inside the Pop-Tarts <laughs> and one day I will pull off the piece that will it's give me math- the power. <laughs> There's
0: just mathematical figures running through my
1: head as <laughs> 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 <and all laughs> like pull a small uh, toaster pastry. <laughs> yeah, nah, didn't get it this time. Nom, 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. Oh, well, at least I have brown sugar, <laughs> cinnamon, Pop-Tarts to, to <laughs> quell my woes.
1: <laughs> Everyone's staring at you, like, what's wrong with him. I didn't find the golden ratio. Don't look at me. <laughs> Get out <of> here. <laughs>
0: Stop judging me. All right. Next question. All right.
1: So this is a question from Satellite of Love. <laughs>
0: this is great.
1: It says, Dear Y-Ruler of Ham and Rolo
0: Kya! <laughs>
1: or Rolo Kya! I guess.
0: It's Y-Ruler of
1: Ham and Rolo Kya! Oh, Kya.
0: Okay, there we go. <laughs> From the One Piece movie. <laughs> that,
1: that's right. And uh the uh, uh, Poro? Poyo. What was the fuck? It's the one with Miley Cyrus' sister. Ponyo. Ponyo. That's it. Ham! Hey, uh, this isn't really a question, but more of a request, so here goes. Chris, recap the Nightman Cometh episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia for Nick. Okay. Have you seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia?
0: Uh, Nicole and I actually watched the first seven or so episodes before we were like, eh, I don't know if this is really for us, and then we stopped. But we're familiar with the characters now, so. Okay.
1: So, um if I recall, The Nightman Cometh is the one where they do a play based on Charlie's song that he wrote, like, in season two or three or something like that about The Nightman. Oh,
0: the Nightman. Fighter, day man, fighter, the night man.
1: Yes, which is all an allegory to the like thing that he was probably like raped as a child by one of his like family members or something like oh, that. Like oh, that. That's, that's what the whole thing is. Like the night man comes in and does this. It, gotcha. It's, Terrifying. It's, it's a very strange thing, but it is all based on like this idea of like the holy hero of the day man who is champion of the sun, and they just have a really shitty song about it. They do right. a play. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's actually your standard, uh, always sunny kind of shtick. Uh, D is there and gets shit on a lot. Uh, uh, oh man, I'm forgetting the character's names. Dennis is like the lead dude in the play and just goes too far into it, like gets really into it and stuff. Uh, they wear a lot of makeup. Danny DeVito is the troll who asked you, if you want to cross the troll, you gotta pay the troll toll. If you want to get into the boy hole,
0: uh, but- <laughs>
1: it's, it's very strange. It is a very, very strange show. <laughs> Look, the song is what matters. <laughs> Dayman, whoa, fighter of the night, man, whoa. It's so a great stupid. song. It's, it's, it's insanely dumb. But that song gets caught in your head so quickly, and I could buy T-shirts of it. Oh, fuck yes. You know what? Maybe I don't want this. Maybe this is a bad item to purchase. <laughs> Alright, there we go. I think I've described uh, it's always saying to Nick now, that one episode. Anyway. <laughs> weird times. Thank you for the question, Satellite. I hope I uh covered that one nicely.
0: Alright, next up is from Kenny Varnes. Dear, oh, this is gonna be weird. Y and co, ruler of time, timepiece phase two, and IIDX roll T. Which, I don't get either reference, so I'm sorry I didn't get, like, the Enunciation of that, right? All right, number one. Besides I Show Twenty One, name five manga that you wish would get a goddamn digital release already, so I don't have to look up either shitty nations of Fist of the North Star if they insist on calling Yuria Julia or torrent sites that might sneak in some horrifying illegal porn through in the mix. Uh, Tepu. Yeah, okay. This one. Um, let's see here.
1: JoJo Part Four, I assume will eventually get one, but I wish it would get one sooner.
0: Uh, uh Golden Kamui. Because uh, uh, I liked the first volume, but uh then it's, like, much more difficult to actually read more besides just, like, buying the print volumes. Uh, uh, Satch Bell, I wish,
1: would, so then maybe we have hmm. encouragement to finish it. It's <laughs> a good one, yeah. They, they got to, like, the second-to-last volume and then stopped.
0: Uh Let's see here.
1: Uh... I guess I could be cool if they did. Um. Oh my god, I am blanking on everything today. Beat the Vandal Buster. Beat the Vandal Buster. I kind of like to see in like a digital format.
0: I think that's enough. Okay. Uh, probably got five in that anyway. Yeah. Uh number two, which of these two manga do you think are more likely to get the DBZ Kai and or Inuyasha the final act treatment? Bleach or Fairy Tale? Uh Well Fairy I Tale's guess,
1: still running, isn't it?
0: Fairy Tale is still getting anime releases. Um so it's kinda hard to say. Inuyasha the final act was because like the anime got cancelled before the manga did, so they eventually had it finished. Yeah, um,
1: but DBZ Kai was essentially just like, uh, a a bridged version of Dragon Ball Z, right? That's like why was, it's, it that's was, why it says
0: and or, I guess.
1: Uh, okay. So I would assume we'd get the Inuyasha final act treatment more likely for Bleach, and then maybe, yes. any, I don't know how you DBZ Kai fairy tale, it already moves at a crazy fast pace. I mean, I don't know <laughs> how they, the anime might be different, but like, the manga doesn't waste time, so I'd assume it would have been easier for them to stretch like a chapter of fairy tale out in
0: like two or three episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, I would definitely guess that Bleach would be the more likely to get the final light because I think Fairy Tail will probably just finish normally, honestly.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: The the thing about Fairy Tail is that it never had a constant, continuous uh, anime. It was it's been done in. It's I mean it's had a lot of it's been going on for a while, but it actually has been broken up into seasons, if I remember correctly. It will actually go on breaks, so. Anyhow, <laughs> three, how do you prefer your nudity? <laughs> Blank like a Barbie doll, as in fairy tale or anything by Ken Nakamatsu. Nipples but no crotch, as in Ranma or Sugumomo, Or the full package, as in berserk Tenjo Tenge Kurosagi Corpse Delivery Service.
1: Uh, so based on the examples, uh, the presumption I'm making is that how do we want our nudity in manga? Because if it's real life, I'd prefer actual nudity yeah, yeah, as opposed yeah, yeah. to like these weird people who have had their like genitals shaved off or something like that. Like that'd be kind of weird. Uh, and when it comes to a mon, I guess because I don't read those sorts of series for the expressed idea of like eroticism, I'd assume blank like a Barbie doll because I get the intention, but you don't have to, like, necessarily, I guess, dwell on, like... I, I, it's not like I have an issue with the other ones. I'm just trying to think if I, like, have a reason for wanting to say of Brevardo, or maybe it's just one, the one I'm most used to, so maybe that's why I feel more inclined to go with that.
0: Yeah, most of the series that I've read have their fan service done like that anyway. Uh, and, uh, I think that I could, uh, I would be more comfortable. I would never read anything that had any level of nudity, I don't think, in public, but I would be more comfortable if it were like that. So there would be that advantage. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. Okay. There we go. Uh, we got a question here from Jonathan. Who says, Hi Neganick, Roller of Crime, and Calamity Chris, Dawn of the Trollo T family. Those are some dope names. Uh at the time of s- me yeah. at That's the time of me sending this email, Super Eye Patch Wolf released a video on the current state of Shonen Jump. The video was very informative about the end of the long running series we experienced last year and insightful on the search of new Shonen Jump series or Jumpstart series. The only shocking bit of information was that Black Clover had the number three spot in the yearly ranking in the magazine. I feel I'm more lenient on Black Clover than Nick, but I still think it's not remarkable enough for its popularity. What other manga series make you question its popularity? Bleach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Prince of Tennis.
1: <laughs> uh, honestly, to a certain extent, and I love it, but I am very curious as to how Dr. Stone gets his rankings as high as it does. Like It's been like mm-hmm. top five recently in the manga and uh, the polls, and... I think it's a great series, but I also look at it, and I'm like, I feel like it's one of those things that shouldn't work in Jump, and it just does for whatever reason, so. Yeah. um, I don't know, I, I think part of this is a level of, because uh, cause I'm more kind of focusing on the notion that you, you bring up, like, how Black Clover had the number three spot in the magazine, and you didn't think it was remarkable enough for that kind of popularity. I think part of that, too, is that, you know, we're used to maybe the stuff we like and the stuff that we liked ended up being really popular. Like if you like One Piece, you're like, oh, One Piece's been the most popular thing. Ergo, everything else that should be popular should be like One Piece in an ex- in a way or something like that. Um I-, I can absolutely see why Black Clover had a number three spot. I think it's it's open ended enough that anybody can kind of jump into it and enjoy it. It has the characters with their, you know, success stories, your whole, you know, John Cena kind of story where it's like anybody can kind of get into this and be happy because it's a series where the hero wins a lot. You know, there's no drama or anything like that where, you know, you have to worry about it. I, I, I can absolutely see why Black Clover is that popular, you know.
0: I'm not too surprised either, honestly. Yeah. Um and Number three of cool out of – I mean, like when you consider the stuff that we get in the U.S. version of Jump, you know, you got My Hero Academia, you got One Piece – and honestly, out of everything else, Black Clover would probably have the widest appeal to people, at least to people who read that magazine. Mm. So yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I completely understand that. Uh, but yeah, I had that and I think, uh, to this day still, Ice show 21. I, I'm still shocked that a football manga was that popular in Japan. It
0: blows my mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, no signature on this next one, uh, in your most recent Q and a for April, either Nick <laughs> or Chris can't remember which said that there were stories from Toriyama about how he wanted to end Dragon Ball, but the editors wouldn't let him. Although this claim has up in May on the internet, as far as I can determine, Toriyama never said any such thing as possibly did. But if so, I've never seen anyone point to a source. Anyway, I wanted to mention this because people kept spreading this unconfirmed claim. That's not a question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, it's a comment on the Q&A, which I thought we could probably bring up here. Uh, um, gotcha. which is, and that is something that actually is very true. Uh, I have heard people with the contrary opinion saying that there is less to do about, um, the fight between Toriyama and his editors. Uh, that a lot of that's been kind of something brought up on the internet. There is something out there. I think it's like a, the book of like Dragon Ball history or something like that. I, I know Masako X has talked about it a few times in his, uh, his discussions on Dragon Ball. So I think if you look towards those, you might get a clear answer on that. Um You know, he's somebody who loves that franchise, so I think he's probably going to be a better source for this sort of stuff than we are. Um, so go check out his videos. They're, they're fun also, anyway, even if you're not looking for that specific piece of information. Uh, they're pretty cool stuff if you like Dragon Ball.
0: Okay. Uh Let's see. So our actual next question comes from no signature i feel bad because uh, there's a really long introduction here um and you know regarding like the experience of listening to our our podcast and we thank you for listening and sending in your question uh it's great to hear from you but i don't have a signature here so i can't say your name <laughs> Uh, all right. The actual question uh, beyond the introduction, though, is uh, notice while reading My Hero Academia week after week, a sad disconnect between my learned ideals of heroism, at least from Western literature, and the heroism actually displayed in the manga. In fact, I'm tempted to say the title itself seems to be a misnomer in regards to that. For my years of, reg- of reading myths, novels and a fair few comics, heroism is more than great deeds and, in fact, far less than mere feats of strength. But a mindset of selflessness and willingness to help and put oneself in danger for the well-being of others, regardless of power or special abilities. Remember, Chris, your Captain America was a heroic before he got his soldier formula. Yes. I lost my place. Shit.
1: Yet in My Hero Academia, there seems to be a severe lack of discussion.
0: Uh, severe lack of discussion of what real heroism is, which is especially galling considering this is a series about teaching children how to be heroes. Yet seniors, adults, and even teachers never seem to teach students or know themselves, how to determine what is right and wrong, and how exactly a hero should act. These are, of course, difficult questions for even learned men, but they need to be addressed if you are training children to wield potentially destructive and corrupt powers. And nearly all their training is focused upon how to use their powers to most effectively beat up their enemies when so we get characters like Bakugo and Todoroki, who often lack heroic sensibilities you are praised by their instructors because of their absurd natural strength. Deku himself, probably the most traditionally heroic character of the series, is repeatedly made to feel he is unworthy of a corker power because he is small and weak, as well as meek and assuming, when it seems it should be quite the the opposite state of affairs Uh, essentially what say what say you on the topic is the question
1: so one element of this is Deku I think he's kind of the main person you're sort of bringing up in sort of this discussion because he's probably the closest you can get as an analogy to that Captain America story of a kid who before he got his powers was a heroic person uh, became a hero because of who he was before he got the powers rather than the other way around. Uh, and Deku was an exploration of that. It's, it's the first chapter is pretty much an exploration of that. How, you know, when a, a villain is attacking Bakugo, Deku, without any powers at all, attempts to save him and almost gets killed as a result, but then All Might, you know, intervenes, saves him, and then, you know, the story goes on from there. Uh, there is an element to it where Deku feels that he's not worthy of it, and that's I think just an interesting exploration of Deku as a character, of who he is, of his own mindset. I don't think that's supposed to be a, a deconstruction of, you know, the tropes of heroism or anything like that. I don't think he's supposed to be pound for bound like a Captain America who, once he got the powers, you know, follows all the same ideals. I think he's also just a very self conscious kid who's been made to feel like he's worthless his entire life because he didn't have a quirk and he constantly is trying to live up to a hero who he created in his mind to be the best hero ever, and now he's not only inherited his powers, but in a way it seems like he is uh, also kind of inherited his life, too, since he knows All Might's slowly dying, basically. Um... So I think actually Dylan Deku is a I good think a big person. Point
0: of the, and, and I think a big, I think a big point of the series is that you can't just take the idealistic approach to heroism. I mean, I, I agree with you that the series does not represent those traditional values of heroism of always protecting those in need. But that's kind of the thing is that the point of the series, I mean, it came to a head with, uh, All Might, uh, teaching Bakugo and Deku after they had come to blows that you have to be both a heroic minded uh person with a good heart and also be strong enough to actually do good. Uh you can, you have to be someone who you know, isn't will never be defeated by evil while also doing good things.
1: I think it's uh it's really interesting because the world of My Hero Academia is one in which there are supervillains everywhere and supervillains have crazy huge powers. So, you know, I guess if you were to look at this world, ideally, it wouldn't be a world where somebody like Deku who just wants to help everybody is necessarily lacking in anything. But it is actually a very big point that if there are supervillains in this world with crazy big powers, someone like Bakugo, who values strength, there is a value to that. You know, like even though I love Captain America, there's that thing that when Thanos shows up on the planet, you're like, well, thank God we got Hulk and Thor here. Because, I mean, I love you, Captain. <laughs> you throw a shield. Like, you're not going to be enough to beat this guy. <laughs> Um, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, v- uh, validity to what you're, you're kind of looking at. And I do think there's, there's a level, particularly when it comes to Bakugo and his exploration, that's tough to really get what's happening with his, his character. I could see what the, the manga's trying to do, but it is somewhat of a difficult value to comprehend because it is this idea of somebody who we don't see many instances of him being outwardly heroic per se, but we know he's not a villain in that same context bakugo's just not as easy to identify immediately as like a hero in the same way deku is you know deku will run into a fire because there's people trapped inside bakugo might run in because there's a bad guy inside he really wants to beat but he'll save people along the way like that's kind of the way you kind of have to look at bakugo and it's that can be tough to reconcile with when you you think of the traditional ideal hero
0: yeah. And uh I mean, that did come up eventually, like when they had the uh hero license exam, those two guys that you mentioned, Todoroki and Bakugo, they failed because they did not have that, those heroic sensibilities that you were talking about. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, it is something that I know doesn't get emphasis all the time. Uh, strength seems to kind of be the thing. But keep in mind that this is also a manga, a shonen manga take on Western superhero tropes. So you might get some stuff every now and again that doesn't really mesh well with uh, your perception of how this stuff should play out. It's a different culture playing their own version of something that, you know, our culture created.
1: Yeah, And it's also not every hero Even in America follows the same ideals As what we consider the like Traditional Mm -hmm. idealistic hero You look at like the collection of the Justice League And you'd be like wow Aquaman's kind of a dickhead He really doesn't care about anything but fucking Atlantis And you're like yeah I mean I guess he's a hero to Atlantis But not to everybody else So you know There's different ways to explore it I guess Okay Alright Uh So this is a very quick question. There's no uh, signature here. It just says, "Do you guys think Eraserhead will ever use his quirk on the Invisible Girl?" No. Uh, it would be it would be weird to take the mystique away from the Invisible Girl, I guess. If you're like, "Here's what she looks like, everybody." (laughs) Um. No. So yeah, I don't know. I don't. Will we ever see Kakashi's face, Nick?
0: I mean, we haven't. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do uh, <laughs> you want me to do the next one,
1: or you might as well? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, dear wire ruler of Morphin Time and Rolo Tyrannosaurus Rex. I like that. That's a good one. At the time of mm-hmm. writing, with the May Q and A, you brought up how one sense of disbelief can be broken with a world that either breaks its own rules or has no rules. But how do you explain getting so invested in JoJo? Because even though I'm a fan of it, I can't deny it contradicts itself in nearly every passing arc, or in some cases, every ten chapters. Such details, like how did Dio stay in the coffin for hundreds of years when that same coffin was used to help Erina and Lisa Lisa get to shore? How does Joseph age normally when Haman masters can slow the aging process? How the hell did (laughs) Jotaro spontaneously learn how to stop time in his final battle with Dio when he showed no signs of activating before? Speaking as a JoJo fan, how are we so easy to forgive plot holes and rule breaking in that story's universe, but not others? So that's a good question. And it is a complex one to kind of get into. I don't know if I necessarily ever ignore the plot holes in JoJo's world. Um, I kind of almost see them as an element of it in that Araki creates these very big worlds. And the plot, the small details to it aren't as important as kind of just the, uh, the flavor of everything, how big it is. And when he, he does tell a story in an entertaining way... You tend to ignore the small things that don't make sense. It's that element of like when a story is really good, you tend not to think about the small problems it had until much later on. Um, yeah, you know, you can see that with any movie you like or something along those lines. Nine times out of ten, there's probably some plot hole in that movie that you may not realize until later on or when someone points it out. Um, but Jojo does definitely have issues with with. Plot elements or things. Even the, the very nature of a stand has become so obtuse in its, its like execution. Uh, there's stands that can never die. There's stands that have complete full personalities separate from their owner. There's stands that, uh, are subconsciously used by their, uh, user who never even knows that they exist and things like that. Um, but I, I, I do like a universe that's willing to kind of explore its own rules and bend them, but not completely shatter them. Like, it'd be different, I guess, if a character pulled out a gun and just shot someone standing. And the guy's like, I'm dead now! And it's like, well, that was kind of lame. That's not interesting. But I guess playing with the rules is something I always like seeing in a manga, you know? I like just seeing the creativity at work. It, it's never felt lazy to me as much as it did feel just like a creative exploration. Okay. Uh, and another question. At this point in time, the Promised Neverland's second arc has just begun, and I've been hearing a lot of concerns from the fans that might not live up to the same hype and intensity as the previous arc, which could potentially lead to the series' downfall. Are those fear just, fears justified, or are they just being paranoid?
0: Well, so far it hasn't lived up to uh, relate to the previous arc. I mean, it's we haven't exactly had like a bad stretch or anything like that, but it's kind of been lackluster in comparison to the first, which was it really was kind of perfect. Um, so I understand people being worried about that because it's been a change of pace. Uh, it's been a different, things have been different and, uh, hasn't really played to the series strengths as a result. I mean, there's been very little actual, like intelligent planning going on or, uh, in, in the course of this and just has been a bunch of kids running around going from place to place. Uh, I feel as though we're going to get more of that eventually, uh especially when the kids have to go through the process of breaking into the other homes in order to uh help their fellow kids out. Um, but it does seem as though we're doing a lot of setup right now. Yes. Uh, so I think that I'm just going to have to advise, hey, wait and see. We'll see how this goes. Um, if things never get back up to that level, then I think it will be time to start worrying, uh, if it's going to, if the series is going to continue or is even going to get back to the point that it was at to begin with. But give us some time for right now. Mm.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. I think, uh, we, we still have time to see if it explores and, and makes itself as interesting as it can be because there's a lot of elements still to be explored. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. Uh, and last one here. Am I the only one who feels a little weird the Big Bombs arc's climax involves uh, saving Sean, Sanji's shitty family of Nazis and Raju. I mean, seriously, at this point, it feels like Oda wants us to forget that his dad and brothers are conquerors and murderers and have had zero respect for human life, including the people who serve under them. Seriously, their main hall had a giant Nazi eagle. I can't be the only one who noticed that.
0: It's not a um, Nazi eagle. It was, contra- it was designed differently. Yeah. It, well, it's meant to be, I guess. It's definitely, it's, it's definitely meant to be, like, evocative of it, but it's not, it was not an act, a literal Nazi eagle. <laughs> yes. Uh,
1: and I feel the whole brothers had their emotions taken away as a weak excuse, a weak excuse to make them th- appear sympathetic when in reality, they should have been the big, uh, main villains instead of Big Mom. Not saying they should flat out replace her, but do you think this whole rescue Sanji's family plot felt like a weak resolution to his family's conflict?
0: No, because it shows that Sanji's better than them.
1: I can, yeah. I think that that definitely plays into it. I do think there is an element, though, where the Sanji's family just feels like woefully underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. I, I would have liked more exploration into them because, as it is right now, I really can't. Tell you too much about the various brothers. I know the like old, eldest brother doesn't really do much. He's kind of like the quiet, competent one. He's the one. serious one, yeah. There's the one who's kind of a big idiot goober, like goofy one. There's the one that's the just un-ju. like yeah. a direct asshole to Sanji, you know. And that's like, Niji. Yeah. yeah, like they have their like traits, but. It, it, they're not very well developed beyond that. I mean, they also have the whole like nobody element of like, they have no emotions, but they know how to be smug and taunt and be shitty. You're just like, okay. I mean, those seem like emotions. How, li- how
0: little emotions do they
1: have? <laughs> yeah. Like, did they give them just the shitty ones? Uh but no, I mean, you, you, you brought it up and it's a good point that it is ultimately a story about how it proves Sanji's better than his family. Cause he's willing to save them despite what they did to him. Um, But I do think that there was an unfortunate element that they seemed like they could have been a more interesting group of characters that just didn't have as much time to be explored. Um, The Nazi aspect of it, not Nazi so much as just kind of inspired to be this very insidious group in that way, that is something that's being glossed over. um, But I think that's kind of just... Uh, we don't know actually how that's going to end completely, I guess, still, too. You know, True. Th- there's an element here where Sanji might show up and be like, Jerma66 from here on is dead. Uh If you guys are ever around again, I'll come and find you and destroy what you work for. Like, he could still end what they are because there is an element to you. are Like, they were essentially mercenaries for hire that conquered countries without <laughs> remorse. I mean, they weren't good people, so hopefully they can't just go right back to what they were doing. But um I, I do feel that there was elements to them that just – could have done with more exploration. They do feel <laughs> kind of forgotten about with Big Mom and everything else with her like, fucking 20,000 kids.
0: There certainly was more focus on more members of Big Mom's family because, uh, I mean, there was the five of them and there were a couple of people affiliated with them. And that was basically it.
1: Yeah. But uh thank okay. you for the questions, Jack.
0: Yes, yes. All right. This one comes from Maxie uh hi there chris rolling back the release on that christmas specialty (laughs) and nick the supreme king of chilling out with the crew in the schoolyard Ooh, a double gx reference nice
1: there you go
0: Uh let's see here uh been almost two years since my last email you want to take this opportunity to thank you once again Ran a half marathon last year and managed to finish the full distance this year, and I couldn't have done it without the podcast to listen to during training or having Chris, the only person to take, to take what say to get more in shape over time.
1: Hey, a lot of people are now getting into better shape, so yeah. give credit to that. And congratulations, my man, on uh, doing a, a half marathon. That is a daunting challenge. Hopefully you also had a baby that people were running for that you used as motivation to pass a defeat. <laughs> Fuck that kid. <laughs> fuck, fuck Aaron, little baby Aaron and his ventilator. <laughs> I'm, I'm not losing to some fucking baby. <laughs> I lost all the so gushy hard
0: on stuff. baby. here are my questions. While Sardar Online has been pretty much universally panned outside his target demographic of impressionable teenage boys, one point that often gets brought up in the series' favor is portrayal of the main characters actually getting into and continuing a romantic relationship throughout most of the story. While this wasn't executed perfectly by any means, it does represent a breath of fresh air in a genre, shounen, that tends to either shy away from the subject completely or just rushes to a hurried conclusion within the last couple of chapters via time skip. My question to you is, how would you implement a romantic relationship between two characters in a currently running jump series? Hard mode, the relationship must run its course and end. Ooh. So... I can so think of- So two characters have to get together and then break up? I, yeah, and I
1: can think of Ow. one for this, but it's, it's weird cause it's a context thing that I don't know fits in completely, but, uh, let's go with My Hair Academia. Deku and Ororaka, they go for it. Like she finally confesses her feelings. Deku's like, sweet, this, I like you, you like me, let's go for it. You could easily do that. You could explore to them as heroes, but I think it'd be very easy also to show why their relationship would break up is that they're in a very tough kind of environment and world where you're sort of beholden to be more married to the job than you are to any one other person. You know, it's the, it's the thing all superhero stories have, the character who, you know, the superhero who has a significant other, although in this series instance, the significant other is also a superhero, but just this idea of like, they can't separate themselves from their work so much to spend time with one another. And I think it would also be a chance for Ur Raka to kind of explore and realize like, Oh, Deku's not exactly everything I thought he was when I constantly infatuated myself about mm-hmm. him over and over again. And they could end their relationship with still being friends in a mature way once they realized, like, oh, this isn't actually the best thing for us. But thanks for this relationship because you've made me a better person. And, you know, hopefully I've made you a little bit better. I think there'd be a cool give and take to that where you also then turn Uraraka from somebody who is just the lovesick – female lead character person to somebody who has a bit more exploration and depth to her character kind of realizes, oh, that was a shallow place I was at at one point in
0: time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel as though one thing you could do is you could actually have uh, We Never Learn go with Yuiga actually trying to date one of the girls mm-hmm. that and then they end up actually breaking up when they realize they're not right for each other. But that would never happen in that kind of series, honestly. I doubt that that would happen uh well we all know how
1: stone cold uh concrete you are on my uh we never learned predictions
0: Right, so obviously what's gonna happen is that he's gonna try dating Ogata and it's going to make Ogata realize that she's not into dudes and she and loves to
1: <laughs> They have a glorious make out session all over a picture of me eating an enormous pizza.
0: We do, we go into the to the podcast and they say, Yeah, I don't know, Chris
1: <laughs> I'm like, I'm already like I have
0: like a bib and a knife and a fork on my like, pizza,
1: pizza
0: I don't know if she's in love with Ogata, and, you know, maybe <laughs> <laughs> um but something that i think that i would uh actually do just to make things a little bit more interesting and dramatic um would actually just maybe try and do something in the promised neverland uh have you know a couple of the kids uh you know i don't know maybe ray and emma maybe don and gilda something like that um because they're in a very stressed out situation, they turn to each other for support. Mm-hmm. And uh, they start, you know, just because they're like, you know, 11. They just, you know, like hold hands and stuff like that. Maybe do shy kisses and stuff. And then either they could grow out of it because they are going to presumably be getting slightly older over the course of the series. Or maybe one of them does something bad and screws up because they're in a very dangerous situation and uh maybe one of them has to make a tough choice. Maybe, for example, if Don and Gilda are dating for a little while, maybe Don acts impulsively or uh panics in the heat of a moment and abandons somebody and uh Gilda decides that she doesn't want to be with that kind of person and uh they break up over it. So or they even something realize- to hate aid- drama of the situation
1: yeah or they realize they are thinking too emotionally for that one person and not for the logical survival of the group which is sort sure. of been an aspect I, recently I,
0: I, good for the rest of us because yeah it's uh I would be acting in your interest when I would be better suited to look out for you know the younger kids who actually would need my help mm-hmm. exactly okay good stuff that was an interesting question nice. uh here's a second one though Let's see. At this point, I assume that at least Nick has seen at the moment the recent Yu-Gi-Oh! movie, The Dark Side Dimensions. If not, I'd like to recommend it for a bonus cast. Hmm. Interesting. While sadly lacking in card games, being played while riding motorcycles, felt like a genuine love letter to the fans of the original series and a great send-off for the characters many of us fondly remember from my childhood. My question to you is, what series that you have reviewed on the podcast would you give a similar epilogue slash send-off to, and how exactly would you do it? It doesn't have to be a movie. It could be a miniseries, a musical, whatever you want.
1: Kakyohote the musical. Mm. Where we just fucking we just sing the various dialogue bits from the last chapters of Kakyhote.
0: <laughs> Not gonna top that one. I'm just gonna <laughs> uh
1: I don't know, because we tend to give send offs to most of the series that we want to. So I, I think the only one that maybe we haven't ever in any way would be like Shield 21, you know, it's I think <laughs> the only series we haven't really given, had a chance to give any send-off to or something,
0: but. Yeah. Uh, it's like, okay, uh, Nick will write his, uh, Shield 21 fanfic that, uh. <laughs> will actually show Senna having to actually lead the Devil Bats team uh, in that uh, sophomore peri- uh, period of theirs. They occasionally get support from the older uh, team members who uh, are still attending the same high school, but they're no longer allowed to do club activities. Maybe actually hook up Haruma and Mori. And... <laughs> so. Oh, I have a great
1: opposing team for you to go up against. They're okay. called, like, uh, insert Japanese prefecture here, Gravediggers. Diggers. <laughs> And one of the main people is a punter who specializes in the coffin kick. (laughs) To always pin the Devil Bats at the one yard line.
0: And his name is Willie Loman. (laughs) His
1: name is Willie Loman, and he
0: tackles motherfuckers too! No one's one's going to get that reference at all. (laughs) No one.
1: That's how we like it. Absolutely
0: no one. Oh my god. That is still
1: one of my favorite moments of just like sheer bonkersness.
0: Watch him just stalk this guy, outrun the rest of his team. Shouldn't we explain at this point? We might as well. Okay. So way the fuck back, this was in like twenty ten or something like that, I discovered this stupid uh football simulation, vaguely MMO, uh called Goal Line Blitz. Where you would create your own player, uh, customize their statistics, and then they would join a team, and the website would run a simulated game, mm. basically like once every day, I think, uh, and then, you know, you would get to see how your player developed and, and, and stuff. But also, one of the cool things was, cause it was very low, like, it was literally just like X's and O's chasing each other around the field to yes. tackle each other. Uh, it would actually simulate individual plays, so you could replay uh, individual plays and see how your player did. So Chris made a punter named Willie Loman, yes, after the protagonist of *Death of a Salesman*. <laughs> and because
1: uh, the, the, the way it was is that you had to like, you had to essentially like pay fake money to buy players to customize. So like a quarterback or a wide receiver were expensive as fuck. So I did a punter because they were super cheap. And when you just make a player, they're gonna be better than the inherent players around them. Like, cause you start off in like shitty low leagues where most of the players are just AI. So my punter would punt the ball into the air, then run past every other defender on his team to tackle the ball carrier. And understand, punters are known for being like guys who can kick the ball really far but then generally aren't the most athletic. This was a dude – it was essentially a shin from iShield 21 where he's like, I'm going to punt the ball. Then I'm going to go beast mode and (laughs) tackle this guy. I'm going to seek him down. Like you see this punter run 30 yards back and pass everyone else in this team to tackle the ball carrier.
0: So uh, that's the memory that has remained with us <laughs> since then. Since we all stopped quitting it after about two weeks, <laughs> yeah, all of us are <laughs> like,
1: "This sucks."
0: <laughs> the progression is too slow, like every other free-to-play game. <laughs> exactly. Free-to-play, play-to-win, uh, pay-to-win. All right. Um, where were we? I don't know. That's... The next one is from a guy who asked us not to use his real name of the podcast.
1: Oh, here. Uh, well, hold on. Wait now. This here. is
0: a fan, but I don't know if...
1: Nah, here it is. It's um the way Yahoo fucking folds questions in with each other. Essentially, he sent that accidentally right afterwards. This is from a fan. He says, Dear WMR, who would win the battle to the death, the Spriggan Twelve or Organization Thirteen, with or without Roxas?
0: Ah, uh, fuck. What's organization? Right. What's organization thirteen?
1: It's uh the villain group from the second Kingdom Hearts game. Oh, then Which I would
0: I, no, no idea of being able to answer that. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I, I would want to say, because organization thirteen members, a lot of them didn't have that special of move sets. Like Axel just could kind of create fire and had his weird weapons and shit like that. So like, you know, there's friggin' twelve members who can fucking like warp reality and shit. But I don't know what the fuck Zemnis's power limit is. He's the main guy in Organization 13. He's into, like some fucking shadow dark dimension. He controls Kingdom. I don't know. Zemnis is bullshit. He would probably win. I, I don't know <laughs> how it would go. I feel like Dragon Twelve would win most of it, but Zemnis is just such like a fucking ace in the hole that I don't really know what he is capable of at like an upper limit. So. I guess I'd say Organization Thirteen. I don't know. Organization Thirteen's still fucking around. I killed all the fucking members, but they're still hanging about, so I guess it really doesn't matter. I guess whatever I do just doesn't fucking matter at this point. Fucking Xehanort. All right. Thank you for the question, a (laughs) fan.
0: Next one comes from Kenny Varnes. Dear Nick Kodomo, ruler of Jikan, Freeman, and Chris, lowly C. Larios. When's Tenjo Tenge? Seriously, when's Tenjo Tenge? If you're not doing Tenjo Tenge for since September, will you do it at the end of October like you did for Airgear? If you won't, I will cut off my head with a chainsaw. Well, it was nice knowing you, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> Question four, because those were each individual questions. If your soul was split in half but given to two different bodies a la Morgan and Lilith from Darkstalkers and they both had sex with each other, would it be incest or masturbation? Uh, it would be
1: incest because you are not sharing any genes with one another.
0: Ooh, very good, Chris. That's awesome.
1: I'm taking psychology class, and that's it's, one of the things that came up, really. <laughs> well, not the, specifically the sex with yourself scenario. <laughs> we were just talking about genes
0: uh number five, how likely is a fan war between fans of bo 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 and Gintama over which one is the superior mindfuck manga, I have never read either, so. I don't, I don't
1: know. What's gonna happen when all six of those people get together in one place? No! Oh!
0: I don't. Oh! <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Number six, why aren't there manga about raves? Um, there are? Are there? There are. Okay, there you go. I just don't know any. Yeah, I'm sure there are. <laughs> Six and a half. Do you guys feel disappointed that despite there being a manga called Rave Master and its original Japanese style Groove Adventure Rave, there's a surprising lack of actual raves in it? Uh, I was not disappointed by Was surprised? <laughs> like, so there's no rave in this manga, right? It's like, no, it's just all musical stuff. Okay, I don't know why he's the Rave Master then. All right. Uh, number seven. If you were a lewd edit of a fighting game character in Mugen and you were being attacked by one of the infamous rapist characters from the game... Which of the three would give you the least psychological damage? Kuromaru, Slime, or Minotaur? I don't know what Kuromaru is. For clarification, Uh, one's a shape-testing monster, and the other two are exactly what it says in the tin.
1: I don't even know how to answer that question. (laughs) I don't don't know what Mugen... I I vaguely know what Mugen is, but not enough to know what a lewd edit of a fighting game character... What, am I just Malena, but, like, no clothes on? Was that what that means?
0: (laughs) Um... Anyway. Next question
1: from Kenny Vars. <laughs> uh, this looks like the same one, so yeah, I think we could skip that one. Uh yeah. Uh this one has no name, so Dear Wire Ruler of Bad Romance and Poker
0: Face on, on, on one we've gotten questions from him before.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh I also like that I got Poker Face, which is a way better Lady Gaga song, the Bad Romance. <sighs> oh, that's not even an argument. I'll fight you on this.
0: Nick, I'm anyway, going
1: down to Florida next month. I will whoop you. Um oh. I've been listening to your podcast and enjoying uh, watching Netflix series. And if so, could you turn any Netflix original series into a manga? Who would you want to write and draw it?
0: Hmm. Ooh, interesting.
1: So what would we go with? My mind says I'd want to go with like uh, Stranger Things because that seems like a really easy one to make a transition into a manga. Like half the yes. cast are already kids that that will work i think yeah and i think it'd be interesting to like have that explored through maybe um uh, like the the Najin Tante Nagami Nero assassination classroom manga i think he'd be able to draw something pretty interesting with that um glow is another really good one i think glow would be kind of interesting although i guess there's a lot of wrestling manga out there already so maybe it wouldn't be as unique as it is with like an american tv show kind of thing
0: um hmm what else would be so you much could do, You could do Iron Fist, but put it in the hands of someone who knows how to actually do a martial arts story. Someone
1: who writes. Nick, I, I need to be, I need to, I need to vent. All right. So I'm sorry everybody Again. listening. I, Nick, did you watch All Defenders?
0: No, I did not, uh, because I heard it was very heavily, uh, around Iron Fist. And I was like, I'll give this a, I'll give this a break. I'll come back to this later.
1: <laughs> there is a moment in the series. Where Iron Fist does the stupidest thing on the planet. Maybe one of the most egregiously dumb moments I've seen in any piece of media out there. Because essentially, if you find out in one of the first episodes, the villains need to unlock some fucking place. And the only way to unlock it is with the power of the Iron Fist. Okay. So it's very clear. They, and the heroes find out about this. They 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 like they realize oh they're trying to take Danny Rand because they need his power to open up this fucking place to get to. Does this he area. go and
0: confront them alone?
1: Eventually, he ends up alone in that area fighting somebody next to the door. Fucking using his big stupid glowing fist, fist, and, and, he, and somebody they dodge and
0: he punches the door. Yes,
1: exact to that exact moment, and you're sitting there, you're like, "How? How? How? You're supposed to be zen. What did they teach you there? You are the most impulsive, stupid person on the planet. You just know the one thing you should know is like, well, whatever I do." Don't, for any reason, jump towards this door with my fucking fist active. For any reason, I don't care how certain I am that I'm going to hit them. It's the the only way they win is if I fucking slam my stupid ass hand into this door and he fucking does it. It is infuriating beyond words.
0: (laughs) Danny Rand is the most horrible character to come out of the MCU, so.
1: (sighs) It's mind boggling.
0: All right. All right. Uh, no signature on this one. So, hey, Chris and Nick. One thing Inagaki Richiro set up but never paid off is having Daemon High ban extracurriculars for third years, which means that Aisha 21 could have a year two where Hiruma and Kurita are off the field but could be involved in every training session, every game, and all the downtime. Hiruma could be safe for special occasions and emphasize training against serious threats or be a constant feature as an unofficial coach or team captain. This leads to two questions. Do you think that Aisha 21 would have been improved if Inagaki Sensei had a brief time skip Instead of writing the World Championship storyline, would he have stuck with his original style instead of ha- trying to introduce bigger stakes and enemies uh, effectively devolving them? Or would this just be retreading treading old ground and we have no reason to believe any new characters will be any better than Mr. Don or Takahancho? Also, a more open end question. What would you like to have, uh, have seen in I of the uh, 2, especially concerning new characters? Well, I answered this partially already with the... Uh, uh, Yes, I would want it to get like a year, a year two treatment, maybe as a special.
1: And don't forget about uh, Willie Loman and the Grave Diggers. Right, I have right, right. I, I have a whole right. team belt for them, Nick. It's 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 developed, you know.
0: Is it just going to be a bunch? Of... <laughs> uh,
1: well, no, because it's it's going to be like a defensive end who's really good at uh, the 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 rip moves, and he, he's he's crazy quick. So his whole thing is is kind of neutralizing Senna. Uh, before we can get any movement going, and it's a big battle for Jumanji to be able to defend against him, because Jumanji never got his proper focus.
0: Are they all named after Arthur Miller characters? No, but they can be now. <laughs> nah. We're <laughs> doing this. <laughs> <laughs> we're going, we're going hard limit on this. <laughs> um, in terms of Ifinagaki himself, I don't know, I think that after, it, after they had the battle with Shin, from there, everything was kind of closing up. I don't think that you could actually do an eye shield series without Shin being a major rival that Senna would have to defeat, like you can't do that match again, and there you can't have and you can't do that match again, and you also can't do a series without that match basically um so. I don't think that it would have worked if it had just continued on from year one into year two, Uh especially because like you would also have to consider like um, do they can do they win the Christmas Bowl? If they do, then there's no point in them having a year or two because they've already won it. So that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It really depends on where you're wa- on where you're wanting to cut things and. W- You would also have to consider the fact that if you're basing it on, oh, Karita and Hiruma and Musashi can't uh, play with the team now, then you have to have them accomplish certain things as well in that first year. So there are definitely problems that we have with the way that After 21 ended. But in terms of a lot of characters like actually having their long-built storylines resolved, it did a good job with that. And I don't think that you could actually sacrifice that.
1: Okay. All right. Next question here. I don't see a name. So we'll go with that. Dear why ruler of all tarts, popped and otherwise, and Rolo, Ambassador of Honey Mustard, King of all the condiments, T. Esquire. (laughs) How are you guys doing this fine November? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Hopefully you didn't stuff yourselves too much or too little. Ha! We are slightly ahead of your prediction slightly uh, On to the questions. What is your favorite action scene trope? I have a personal fondness for the two fighters, fists colliding and a crater forming beneath their feet for the power of the blow trope. That is a good one.
0: I don't know what my f- absolute favorite is. Um, one of them is uh, the simultaneous sword strike where the two people pass each other and then one falls over. Uh, in terms of two fighters fists, I believe that cross counters are cooler than two fighters fists colliding.
1: I, I do, and I don't know if this is a trope so much as it is like a JoJo thing, but I do love the whole like, or, or like just two people, like just fists flying at one another kind of thing the over same, and over and The Sami
0: Zayn Kevin Owens f- uh, special.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like the, the two fists just going at each other at like a crazy high speed. Um, I guess I also like, like, the, the, like, the victor who's exhausted in victory. Like, the, like, you win, but you're just, like, on your knees because you were so tired sort of thing, and you can, like, spotlight that. It's a big kind of, like, I guess, not, like, a wrestling thing so much, but just the idea of, like, oh, it took everything I had to finally beat you, and I'm pretty exhausted from it, you know? Like, you you get, like, that shot of the, the defeated person on the ground, and, you know, the hero just, like, kind of slowly rising to their feet. Mm. What is, uh, second question here, what is the longest manga you've read in terms of chapter count aside for One Piece? Were you surprised that series went on as long as it did, or did the story warrant the length?
0: I'll let you go first
1: on this. Huh, I guess the longest story I'd read... I, if you count Jojo's Bizarre Adventure as all one series, I would guess it would be Jojo then, since that's been something that's been running, you know, as, it's older than I am, so... And I caught up most of the way through that entire series, so I guess that'd probably be JoJo. And that one's a little tough to say though, because it's not one continuous story; it's something that keeps right. changing itself through parts. So, um, I don't know what the like the next longest one I'd read would be. There's a lot of like, I mean, there's you know Naruto and things like that. You know, those are series that ran for like a decade or whatever. But uh you know, One Piece just eclipses all those. So I don't know.
0: Uh, for me, uh, One Piece is not the longest series that I've read. Uh, that would be Hajime no Ipo, which mm-hmm. is, uh, approaching 1200 chapters now. So mm-hmm. there you go. That's a lot. And, uh, in terms of the justification of length, uh, it actually kind of makes sense because it's following a person's boxing career. So there's a lot to unfold there because, uh, it's, you know, several years of his life. Uh, going very gradually by.
1: Alright, there's a, a an interesting question here, whereas we uh, have question alpha, part alpha, which is, Chris, any luck catching up on Dragon Ball? Um, uh, to which I would say, I don't, haven't caught up with much with Dragon Ball, but I have been watching Dragon Ball Super, uh, and I've been following up with that relatively regularly. Usually I'll, sometimes I'll wait like a couple of weeks and then catch up on like two, three episodes at a time or something like that. But I've been enjoying that quite a lot. I was particularly stunned at the Roshi episode. That was surprisingly awesome. And I was really critical of Roshi being on the team when he uh, got introduced. But I did the, then love the Tian getting just as like unceremonious as a fucking knockout afterwards as Krylan. We were just like, Oh yeah, I guess you were kind of here too. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, that's what I've been enjoying. And question part beta, Nick. Are you reading any series or trying to complete a series you've never completed before outside of those in the recap?
0: Uh, I have tried at different points to uh, read a a few different ones, but then I keep on getting sidetracked. One of them will be uh, Kuroko Mm -hmm. um, which I've tried a couple of times to get caught up on, but as is, I don't have a, a whole lot of spare time for manga in general, even even for a weekly manga recap. So that kind of takes all my attention, especially when I have to read 400 chapters of Prince of Tennis. So yeah. I understand that.
1: Uh, I believe this is question data then, or Delta Ren. Uh, as mentioned by the recommendation above, the new Star Wars Expanded Universe is kicking off with some pretty good novels and comics. What is your experience with Star Wars? What films are your favorites? Are you prequel haters, as used to be uh, the norm? Or do you say with a more common procession that now exists in the fandom that while they're not perfect films, they're not as terrible as many thought?
0: Um, I actually liked the prequel films when I was, you know, a kid. Yeah. So uh I would need to probably – I still need to rewatch basically all of the Star Wars films in order to get sort of like what was good and what wasn't.
1: Yeah, Uh I love Star Wars. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I love the movies. I love the games that I've played. You know, Knights of the Old Republic is still one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I love a lot of, like, the uh, sort of uh, philosophy that's come out. It's interesting just to kind of explore a lot of the stuff that Star Wars, like, expanded, like, canon kind of puts out there. Uh, The prequels, I recognize, are not very good in the grand scheme of things, particularly Phantom Menace. When, like, you look back at it, you're like, oof, that is pretty awful when, like, you think back to how much time was spent doing nothing or, like, hanging but out But pod racing,
0: Chris! But
1: that's the- you know what? The thing about that though is there's a, a scene from the Clerks animated series that I always loved when, like, they're in a court episode and uh, Randall tries to call in George Lucas to, like, get him to give him his money back for seeing Phantom Menace and the defense, like, Objection, Your Honor! The pod racing scene was pretty cool! <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> The thing that I I always look back, I always thought uh, Revenge of the Sith was a good movie, and I think that's partially just because it had such cool fight scenes in it towards the end. Like, the Mustafar fight scene and the scene with, like, Yoda and the Emperor just hurling the Senate at one another is so awesome. Like, I love that stuff.
0: It's also I, a really fun opening, uh, that they've got with the space battle of them infiltrating the ship and, uh, the wacky shenanigans with R2 uh, fighting off the droids and stuff.
1: Yeah. Like, Look, it, it's obvious that when you, you look at them, they're not very good movies. Um, there's a lot of issues with them. But I think they're not nearly as bad as people make them out to be, especially when, you know, a lot of the, the hate from it comes behind. I think, you know, like the red letter media stuff, I think is great. You know, they're great introspectives of those movies. But, you know, at the same time, when you when you criticize every aspect of it, you know, we have to recognize I didn't watch Star Wars for its, you know, brilliant analysis of the world and all these deep things. You know, part of it is just, like, I want to... It's space fantasy, and sometimes you don't want, like, necessarily a smart fantasy. You're just looking for something with some some cool powers and shit. I want, you know, my dragons and swords or my lightsabers and starships, you know? Yeah. I kind of got that. Uh Another part of the question is, what are... you have, like, a favorite or least favorite lightsaber design? And this is harder for me, because I don't really look at many lightsabers with that much, like... Uh, like specific kind of like analysis of it. I guess my least favorite is maybe the Kylo Ren lightsaber because it still yeah. looks goofy to me. Like I don't
0: get it. Why is there a cross guard? It, it's pointless for it to have a
1: cross guard. <laughs> Feels like you just made things harder for yourself. Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite per se cause... Darth Maul. Yeah, oh,
0: I Darth Maul's lightsaber. That moment where you open, where the doors open up. He holds out his freaking lightsaber. One blade comes out. The second blade comes out. Fucking love it.
1: I have heard people who say, and I I totally agree with them, that was a movement that should have been saved for the movie. Because that was in the trailers. Yeah, the fact that it was in the trailer, yeah. And how crazy would have been if you had been in the theater? You're like, holy shit, there's a second end! Like, that's, that's Star Wars to me, though, in that moment where you're just like, holy shit, there's a second end to the lightsaber! Um, That immediately kicked out, like, 35 minutes of Senate talk. <laughs> like, it just erased it. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> I was like, who cares? Look at that. He's two sides of his lightsaber.
0: If he produces a third blade, I'll forgive some of the Jar Jar stuff. <laughs> Holy shit. I love this guy. <laughs>
1: uh And I don't know if it's supposed to be just question E or if it's meant to try to be the Greek symbol of Gamma. I don't know. But uh, finally, if you were to switch the powers, not the initial personality of two main protagonists in the current recap lineup, who would they be? How would the switch powers inform their actions that affect the series? How would events have played out differently? And would they develop the same way as characters? Uh, and would their supporting cast change or develop differently as a result? Mm. I think the easiest one, like if you were to make try like a smooth transition would be Luffy and Deku. Like you get yeah. Deku the the stretch powers and I think he could still function similar way, especially if he has a lot of like the Gear Second sort of stuff. But you know, Luffy would be almost no change at all. You know, he just keeps running around bunch
0: punch things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe for shits and, shits and giggles, you could like switch like Deku and Emma have Emma be the superpower that <laughs> Deku's run still around just normal, d- dude. punching demons. <laughs> Alright. Uh, okay, this one comes from now four. Dear Nick Simmons, you'd better be prepared to catch Griff. He'll probably faint when I tell him his sister's dead. Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, more, uh, red versus blue references. Chris. L- listen, once when we were kids, we went ice skating and she fell through the ice. She was under there for three hours. And when they pulled her out, not only was she still alive, she was pregnant. If you can explain that to me, I'll believe you when you tell me she's dead.
1: That's a pretty good quote.
0: <laughs> First off, I don't hold the fact that you don't like Ruby's soundtrack against you. I only liked about half of it myself, and no, it's not weird that I considered it the second best part of the series. I was still in the second season. And the series doesn't really get good until season three.
1: I, oh man, I like I know you what, can't tell us these things, <laughs> and like I know I've done it with other people too, where they're like getting into something, and I try to tell them like, "Hey, like, trust me, it gets better later on." But it's like that old fucking Final Fantasy thirteen thing where people are like, "Don't wait, just." At 25 hours in, it gets amazing. I'm just like, I don't have time for this. I mean, I do at that point in time, but I'm not going to do it.
0: All right. Uh... (laughs) now the first question which i'm a little mad at you about several months ago i asked you guys to make a super sentai team to fight the evil version of gang orca and both your answers were really lacking nick what's with their police and officers but animals could you put a little less effort into it how about they're all based on domesticated animals or each ranger is a breed of dog commonly used by the police except for the sixth ranger which is a cat and has uncertain allegiances bam i just made your idea 28 better no you fucking didn't your your idea has more dogs in it fuck you asshole (laughs) and Chris I want to be angry at you but that boardwalk empire idea was fucking amazing (laughs) you just said both our answers were lacking yes 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 Yes! (laughs) you liar (laughs) I want teenage otaku Steve Buscemi Buscemi to be one of the images on your side of infamous plants frames But it's not like I expected you guys to describe their each individual weapons, personalities, poses, and other small things. You guys didn't even mention their zords. That's like describing Spider-Man leaving out his web shooter.
1: That's because the best Spider-Man doesn't have web shooters. He uses organic web fight-me. Mic drop.
0: And so, my question, I dropped a pen. so my question to the two of you is, what are the megazords of your individual teams like? What's it called? What are the zords that form it like? And what is the final attack of said megazords? Okay. Uh, I was always, my favorite Megazord was actually the one that was just one giant thing. I, I'm just kind of simple like that, I guess. Not, it wasn't always that, but, uh, honestly, I've always thought that, uh, the single vehicles that turn into a giant robot are kind of cool. Um, like the kind that, you know, the Sixth Ranger would have and stuff. Mm. Uh, but they there were team Megazords that were just like a single thing that transformed into a robot. So I'm going to stick with that. It's going to be a giant ass police cruiser. It turns into a humanoid creature that has a cat's head, and its uh, finishing attack is called Dog Suck, Fuck You Now 4.
1: <laughs> I like it. It's got a lot of character to it. Yeah. Uh, mine would be, because we're going with the Boardwalk Empire uh, Power Rangers team, uh, all the Zords are based around uh, different uh, famous mobsters. So there's, of course, an Al Capone mm-hmm. Zord. Uh nice. A Bugs Marone Zord, um, maybe get some like fictional ones in there too. You can you, you throw Scarface in like a Scarface sort of, yeah. Zord, you know, uh Michael Corleone Zord, uh, and they all just like are just big versions of that person. They're just they're big just ones, and they all, have guns. They're they're,
0: they're, so, they're just all Al Pacino Zords.
1: <laughs> yeah, all of them are just like ooh ah, and then they shoot you with a gun. <laughs> Uh, but then they all form <laughs> together into the Gangsta Megazord, which is just one giant gangster with like 18 Tommy guns. Uh, but ironically, their final attack, cause this is a Boardwalk Empire Zord, uh, is to drink themselves into a lot of guilt before committing a violent crime. <laughs> <laughs> Where basically they just down a bottle of Jameson and then shoot your wife in the kneecaps a couple times in front of you. Well, that's that's their final attack. It, it's not as kid-friendly. It never, it never
0: hits the, the giant monster. It just hits their wife.
1: <laughs> oh, no, it's it's the main monster's loved ones. Yeah.
0: <laughs> also, how does Red Buscemi Ranger die?
1: <laughs> Red Ranger Steve Buscemi. Um... See, in this, I would say, like, cause he's saying, oh, he has to die horribly before the series ends, so obviously the most horrible way is he gets, like, crushed inside the gangsta sword, but the gangster sword can't die. Uh, it's too cool. So I'd say he drinks himself to death. He does his ultimate attack one too many times. Like, there's a lot of monsters. He has to kneecap a lot of monsters' wives. <laughs> but he has to drink before each one. And they're all like, Steve Buscemi, no! Or Red Ranger, you can't do that! It's too much booze! And he's just like, don't you ever tell me what I can't do! Because it's a part lost robot now. And uh, then he goes too far, uh takes out the last monster, but he dies from alcohol poisoning. So Locke becomes the new Red Ranger. <laughs> it's gangster Locke, though. He has like a... Uh, uh, tiger. Smoke monster. <laughs> Excel Oh my god, a lost ranger crew sounds so dope.
0: Alright. Second question. <laughs> And in my email where I called myself the long-winded and will probably be shorter than this email, I asked you guys if you thought the Spring 12 were meant to be pilots for plot ideas for Heroes Next Manga. You answered you didn't think so. However, you completely forgot to answer the second part of the question, which I don't regret you too much as I've forgotten I even sent that email. So it re-ask that question, which of the Spring 12's little narratives would you like Hero to use and expand upon in his next and hopefully much better manga? Uh, August has potential there, I guess. Uh, you could see him, uh, coming up in a kind of Naruto way with no parents, the kind of cursed existence. Uh, Brandish has, uh, an actual built-in backstory there. Um, Wall is a robot and he's cool, so, um... Yeah, I'm
1: trying to think of, like, the the narratives in there I guess the only one I think that didn't really get enough focus is like de Maria and Brandish having like a friendly robbery that then became like a lot more of like a friendship when they thought that Brandish had been captured and de Maria like right, right. what you saw her again how did they
0: actually become friends yeah. What's issues like with the backstory there uh and also uh how did Bradman become uh what he is <laughs> yeah
1: how, how does one become the Bradman <laughs>
0: Uh, To expand on that question, are there any narratives in a manga that you feel didn't get explored well enough in their own manga, and would like to see redone and explored more in another manga, either the same mangaka or another? For example, I'd see Bleach's conflict between Ishida and Mayuri expanded upon, especially with the original idea Kubo had, where Mayuri would hunt Ishida down the human world. It'd be an interesting idea to put into another manga, like a super genius versus an evil genius constantly fighting each other. Well, hold on to that question for now, because in a week and a half, we're going to talk about Oh, the unexplored there it is in The Prince of Tennis, and how nothing gets explored in that series because it's just a bunch of fucking poster boys. Let's go on to the next question.
1: There you go. All right. <laughs> uh Okay, questions here from Michael Hurt. He says... Hey, Chris, Roloteen, between 990 and something to over a uh, thousand on Patreon seemingly nearly every single day, which is something I can't complain about as much, but the guy writing this comment can notice. Larios and Nick, why am I the world of time? That's a name that sounded cool when I was a teenager first going online and it just stuck. Considering the guy wrote this email's tagline for 16-some years is Neo-Ultimate Mike, he can at least relate to my plain Freeman. Fair enough. There you go. Question one, i notice, of One Piece lately, we seem to be getting more flashbacks and stories for even antagonists than we've gotten before. Recently, as of when I wrote this with Big Mom and before with Doflamingo, and heck, even Arlong sort of had one in the Fishman Island arc. Is there an antagonist in the One Piece world that the strides have faced who you'd want to know the history of or you've imagined a story before their main one in One Piece and would want to share that?
0: Uh, I think that there's a lot of Crocodile's story that we haven't really seen.
1: Yeah, there's a lot there, I think, especially with his connection with like the, uh, the rebel group and everything like that. He has some connection mm-hmm. with like Ivan Cobb and things like that. Uh, I really want to find out about Jin. Like, it's been such a long time ago, but like, why Jin was such a noble spirit at heart, like when he was shown kindness, but he works for somebody like Don Krieg. Like, I understand Don Krieg was like a powerful figure, but I'm like, what made Jin the way he is and not be so much like completely sucked into Don Krieg's mentality of the world and things like that. I think that'd be something Mm -hmm. interesting to explore. Uh, I'd kind of also. I, I don't know if this would be a flashback per se, but I'd love to see like more of just like a dynamic between Buggy and his crew. Like they've been around for so long, and we know like what Buggy's like initial story was. But like, what about Kabaji and fucking Muji? Like, what do they do? What do they What do they hang around doing and shit like that? Like, what do they feel about their their beloved captain? And how? What was it like when he got he came back from Impel Down?
0: And when he became one of the fucking emperors? Yeah, you know. All right. Or warlords, I should say, sorry. Yes. I always get those two mixed up.
1: Uh, question two. If somehow fairy tale was given an English dub that had to cater to say, the rave master early Kitunami slash miguzi audience. Miguzi?
0: Miguzi, um, yes. Uh,
1: aka a dub only slightly less cut up and edited a four kids dub. How do you think they would cut out or change the more lewd, visque, uh, violent, risque moments of fairy tale? And said, "Savvy faster had a song dub uh, by all people. Real big fish. Which group would you get to construct an intro song for this hypothetically likely, likely awful dub?
0: Uh, what's Jim? Once Clap- upon a time, and a life it was of magic. It's the
1: same song we just write Traveling over. around
0: with a winged cat
1: <laughs> and a carrot nosed dog. Sometimes too.
0: <laughs> it just kind of shows up sometimes."
1: <laughs> Uh, I would say, what's Gym Class Heroes up to? Are they, could they do a song? I mean, they're not like the same like ska kind of are. band. They did that uh fucking My Girlfriend song or whatever.
0: Okay, if you say so.
1: Yeah, you you remember when you hear it. Uh, oh. there's there's a lot of awful like fucking uh. Oh, who was the song Bowling for Soup is another like really good one. They're they're a great band to like fit into that.
0: They'll um, do it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, how would they do a fairy tale edit? I I think fairy tale isn't as hard as you think because like the moments of blood and violence I think would be easy to cut out because they aren't as like defined. It's like characters get like maimed in fairy tale and you have to like gloss around. That's like bleach where it's like a more grotesque sort of fighting world. Uh I think it would just be some of the fan service. Like, you'd have to cut down on moments where, like, characters' boobs just bounce for no reason and shit like that. But you could still have, like, a sexy character. I think it would just be the moments of, like, nudity. And you'd have to cut out the weird fucking BDSM shit that happened with Kyoko. You'd have to cut that entire scene out because there's no way parents would all right. You'd have to cut out that entire arc. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to just remove that shit. Like People would be like, what happened to you? And she's like, she kept me in a... Cage for a while or something. Like, I'm trying to think. She took me to a coffee shop I didn't like for a while. Just like that whole, like, what happened to Belmare? Ah, she's in a dungeon somewhere. Stop worrying about it.
0: (laughs) She's being tortured.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Bad things happened. Um, so yeah, I think that's what they, I I think more or less it wouldn't be that big of an issue though. Uh, and three says, Astro lost in space pretty much seems to be the manga equivalent of space cases. I wrote a theme song parody to celebrate that fact. Would either Nick or Chris try slash sing to try... Or, sorry. Would either try to sing slash try and talk sing it? Uh, I have no idea. I'm trying to remember what the theme song to Space Cases is even like. I
0: never saw Space Cases, so I have no idea what that is.
1: I loved Space Cases as a kid. I just don't remember how the theme song went. I'm watching it right now to try to remember. Okay. Oh, man. that has got, like, that fucking 90s, like... Oh holy shit! Holy shit! I needed to stop because I heard that, and that is fucking mwah! I love that. (laughs) Now I've already given up. I'm
0: sorry. I do less I do love some the comments here, like uh Funica's the annoying kid, and the rest of the best they can.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael, I can't sing that. But holy shit, thank you for reminding me to go check out fucking the you space. Cannot games to
0: leave before so. he looks. Zach's the nerd who's read a lot. Of, who's read a bunch of books. Olgar's angst goes on too long. Lucas got tits, and that's not wrong. Yunhua Liu can sing things and sing things that are funny. Aries is cheery, bright, and sunny. Also so when he line. goes to the annoying kid and the rest do the best they can. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing about Kiri here. <laughs> oh. Wait, uh, there's only six, there's only seven lines, so is there someone else missing here? No, nah, wow. nah, I think that there's just nothing about Kiri, okay.
1: Yeah. well, you didn't need everything for her, you know, we, we figured out what she was all about. <laughs>
0: I guess. Yeah. She yeah. does the best she can. <laughs> well, no, she can be... Like uh a there, either.
1: Well, okay, well, here's the thing. Uh Halfway through, like, the first season after they finished of Space Cases, one of the cast members left and they replaced her with her imaginary friend from the first season. Oh. It's a fucking... It's an amazing thing when it happens, because the first season, it's supposed to be, like, kind of like this, like, uh, Cloud Cuckoo Lander character who just talks to her friend who's around, and then, like, at the end of the season, she's like, I have to go now, but my imaginary friend is real, actually, and she's a person who's joining your team now. You're just like, wait, what? Holy shit! This is so That's dope. <laughs> Space Case right. was not a great show, but I loved it anyway.
0: <laughs> okay. It had yeah. the
1: fucking Power Rangers. Is that Zach from Power Rangers? Is the lead?
0: Oh. I'm sure he was happy with that decision. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, he had to fight less monsters, I
0: guess. I guess. All right. Uh, next one's from Andre Golden. Dear Archie, the ruler of time and Jughead T. I've been enjoying Overwatch. I wonder who's your favorite Overwatch character. Uh, don't really play Overwatch, so. Uh,
1: I wonder if it is, is it supposed to be who's our favorite character to play, or who's our character, like favorite character, Just overall, like design like I and guess. Uh When I play, I tend to either play like Mercy or. Who's the other? Lucio? Like those are the two, because I tend to be really support, but if I go on offense, I tend to play Reaper. So Reaper's probably like one of the ones I really dig. But I like most of the characters in Overwatch, so I don't know if I can really find like one person I like more than others. Okay. Arisa sucks. I don't like
0: Orisa. I don't even know who that is. She's a big okay. stupid robot. Alright. Number two, if you don't have the answer, then I just want to hear Nick rant about Rogue One. Okay, so <laughs> Just the most unlikable protagonist in a film. <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck... We'll be here for too long. Go ahead. Go on to the next one. Okay. Uh, I believe this is
1: uh, Jonah Bacon Lefkowitz. Says, Dear Chris, I saved Ray and Emma by helping them get to the digital world. And Nick, I haven't played our video game. <laughs> uh, I think it's a reference to the fact he made a... a, a um." what do you call them, choose-your-own-adventure game about my weekly manga recap that I played and helped Ray and Emma get to the digital world, and uh you didn't play, I guess. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh First off, some... Okay, no, sorry, we already did that one. Uh At the time writing this email, we're just getting to the flashback about Big Monk, so I'm going to assume by the time you're reading this, the flashback will have ended. How do you think it stacks up with the other flashbacks we've seen for One Piece, and where would you rank Law's flashback from the others we've seen? Um... As mentioned before, I work in childcare. It's very difficult times, but also very worrying. So I'd like you to ask if, oh, okay, sorry. Never mind. Uh, that's, that's a separate question. Uh, where do we rank Big Mom and Law in the flashbacks? I think Big Mom, you wouldn't rank, like, in the same place nah. you rank like, a straw hat. She's, she's a different kind of thing. Law, I think you can, cause he's, he's definitely meant to have a very similar backstory to them. Um, and if you forced me to, like, interject him to where he is in the straw, he'd probably be, like, right around where Frankie's is. Like it's, it's right along in that same level of being like to that point. It's not as like heartbreaking as like a Robin Chopper or, uh, Robert Chopping, Robert, Robin Chopper and Brooke. But I think he's like right around where like Frankie is and, and whatnot, where he's, he's got a pretty, he'd be top five. One. Yeah. <sighs> Bless you. Uh, and, uh, two big moms. I, I liked it. I think it was, uh, interesting to see her kind of explored. Uh, sorry, the second one is, uh as mentioned before, I work in childcare. It's very difficult times, but also very rewarding. So I'd like to ask you, if you were to think of characters from the manga series you cover in the recap, who would be the best three and worst three characters to get into the field of childcare? In so the
0: ones that we cover in the recap.
1: Yes. So the one of the best would be like Emma. She we already Emma, see yes. she she works great with kids. Um, I think Deku probably would be pretty good with kids as well. He seems to be somebody who kind of looks out for kids and treats them like a in, like, a responsible manner. He has a good rapport with them. Um, and probably, like, I don't know if Frankie. Like, I think Frankie, he's just, like, a fun, like, teach, like, like, uh, you know, like guardian to have. Like, he's just goofy and silly all the time, but, like, knows how to have fun with kids. Like, he'd just be a fun person to help with kids.
0: I would actually go with, uh, Asta, uh, because he, uh, you know, had all his uh, younger siblings oh. at, uh, the, uh, orphanage, so I'm pretty sure that he would really like love getting along with them. And we've actually seen him get along with uh kids back when uh the most important character in the series, Rebecca, was introduced. So
1: mm, she's never gonna be an important character, Nick. No, no, no. Gotta, gotta let that gun go. Uh <laughs> worst three characters, uh Bakko would be number one. he <laughs> he hates kids. He'd be screaming at them. <laughs> he'd be blowing uh, them uh, up. Ogata. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. She's just like, why are you crying? You have all the food and that's- Why are you crying? (laughs) You have all the requirements you need, you should not be crying anymore.
0: I wanna hug. What is a physical embrace going to make you do, going to make you feel better? We should watch movies about
1: physical embraces. This one I found is called Shovel Plower 12. (laughs) (laughs) Shovel (laughs) Plower? It's it's a pretty sexy movie. Um, I think would be a good third to round out that awful group. Caesar Clown. Boom.
0: Okay. Um, all right. I'll take this one from Korea Prime. Hola, Nick, Gobernante <clears> del Tiempo, y Christopher Rolando T, y Feliz Año dos mil It basically says, Happy New Year 2018. Uh-huh. Uh, soy yo, it's, it's, it's yo soy, uh, Corrido Prime, quien ha decidió uh, que sería interesante mandarles una carta electrónica completamente en español para ver qué sucedería. Uh, basically saying, oh, I'm sending you uh, an email entirely in Spanish to make sure you can actually, to see if you can actually read it. uh Una cosa importante, importante, I don't know why you said that twice, que quiero mencionar antes de llegar a las preguntas... Es que esta carta está escrita en español chileno y no el español de España. Ah, okay. So that's why there's a little bit of grammatical differences. A difference between Chilean Spanish and, like, Spain Spanish. Yeah. I don't know why you would be accustomed to it. Um, uh, hey, I went to Spain. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> uh but also but also the uh spanish in uh american schools in general does not have uh is not like accustomed to chilean stuff anyway buenos sin no más preámbulo, estás son mis preguntas if I stumble a little bit, I swear it's because there's little differences that I'm not used to. Anyway. número uno, uno de los aspectos importantes de uno y hasta en Black Clover es que ambos son huérfanos, abandonados en la puerta de una iglesia. Personalmente, yo estoy ciento por ciento seguro de que en algún momento la serie va a revelar la identidad de los padres de uno. Dado lo buen mozo que es él, su gran habilidad mágica y su color, no me cabe la menor duda de que él debe ser el hijo secreto de un algún noble. Basically saying, um wondering about the uh, Uno's parents and theorizing that it's going to be revealed eventually that the parents who abandoned him. Uh, he's, like, the bastard child of, like, a noble, for example, and that's the uh, source of his great magical power. That makes sense. Yeah. Ustedes creen que algún día nos de donde provienen hasta, you know, do you think that one day we will learn what their uh, the circumstances of their birth were? Uh, yes. I, I think that that's great and uh, a great idea. And I th- I'm sure that it will come up eventually as all mysterious Shonen protagonists' pass are eventually revealed. Uh, it happened with Naruto, but it just took quite a while to learn the details of it. Um, and it is something that really hasn't been given a lot of focus, but I'm sure it will come up eventually.
1: Yes, awesome, uh, uh, Ustedes, no, we're familiar. Okay. You, you don't need to use <laughs> oh, ustedes with
0: us. Everyone uses everyone uses ustedes except for Spain, Chris. Well that's uh, nonsense. Yeah. Vosotros is only in Spain. Uh, y la forma en la que la Bruja suprema hablo de los poderes de Do you think that Asta could also be someone else's uh son, someone else's important son? I think it is more going to be related to the fact that he's got that demon king thing going for him. Uh he might not necessarily be through blood relation though. Although, given the way the noble families work, it is possible. Hmm. It could be the magic King's son. It's... maybe? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Pregunta número dos. Personalmente, uno de los aspectos más importantes de una serie en el mundo en la que viven los personajes, ¿cuáles son las reglas de este universo? ¿Y cómo es el día a día de todos el resto de los personajes al momento los mangas uh MHA y Black Clover son los que me llaman más la atención y de cuáles me gustaría aprender más um essentially how do the characters actually go about their day lives what do they do outside of you know heroics and being magic knights and stuff
1: Asking uh, us about that I mean I don't know I I think that's what the the creators have to kind of tell us like what they do all the time <laughs> I mean I could guess but I have only so much I can work with uh, let me see here. I'm like, Crispin. I mean, I assume Mineta just watches filthy porn all day, but he might have <laughs> something else he does that, you know, Horikoshi just has to tell us about.
0: Uh, let's see here. Chris you know, el el a volver a pronto, por lo que me pregunto es si tú pudieras tomar una clase como si fueras un estudiante dentro de esta series sobre qué temas te gustaría aprender en esa clase. La historia de los superhéroes in MHJ, la biología y descendería de los tomos mágicos en Black Clover. Since you're going back to classes soon at the time of the email. If you could attend a class in the universe of one of the Manga that we read, which class would you like to take? Which thing would you be interested in? Like, for example, History of Superheroes in My Hero Academia or the uh, Biology and uh, Family Trees in Black Clover?
1: Um, can I take, like, a gym class in, like, the My Hero World? I think that would be more interesting. I, I, the History of Superheroes just sounds so boring to me. Like, it's – because it's not going to be, like – on well, this issue of Captain America, he punched out Hitler, then fought the Red Skull. It's gonna be a lot like, alright, so All Might, he was born December eighteenth, fucking, you know, nineteen twenty fucking three or whatever in Birmingham, Alabama, or like I'm just it's gonna be names of places that I, I my mind farts out when it that comes to that, so I don't think that'd be and, too interesting. Uh,
0: he says that he would personally like to take a class about the companies that make uh, superhero uniforms and how they have affected the market for you know Normal people mm. uh, okay let's see here este es una pregunta sobre anime y los actores de doblaje de anime aquí en América del surtolos los programas de televisión son doblados al español, incluso los live action por lo que a veces se forma una extraña intersección entre las voces de varios personajes a través de varias series, por ejemplo el actor de doblaje que hace la voz de Bruce Willis es también la voz de goku is a pointing out that uh american series that get dubbed over into japan the voice actors are occasionally the same as those used in anime and animated series uh, but, uh, will smith is piccolo <laughs> apparently <laughs> for on solo um y is, es cual es el actor que más se ha sorprendido Con los distintos papeles a los cuales ha entregado su voz. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, I don't think that we know very much about these. I mean, I guess we'll just have to work out the examples you provide because I don't know very much about dub voices outside of this uh, in Japan. Um, let's see here. Oh. Oh, he's talking about, he's talking about Latin America. That's why. I was like, wait a minute. First, the woman who voices Goku also does stuff for Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the intersection of Vegeta and Cookie Monster surprises me the most,
1: honestly. Well, the way it's written also looks like Cocky Monster, which is yeah, very I,
0: funny to me. That's, that's funny. <laughs> Uh, let me see here, uh, there's only one more after this. Okay, good. Because this is taking me a long time to read this and I've gotta go, so. Let's see here. Alright, uh, cuatro, self-insert fanfiction time. ¿Qué preferirían ser enviados al mundo de MHA como estudiantes de UE con los poderes de Desert Mirage y super convenient Man. Uh oh Black Clover, you say which would you prefer to join a UA class or a magic brigade in black clover? Uh what magicos tendrian if you were to join use the second option, what magical powers would you actually have? So we have we don't have our choice of powers for My Hero Academia, but we do for black clover. Okay.
1: So it's just, what would our power be and what group would we join? Yes. I mean, I guess you'd want to say black bulls, right? They're the ones we know the most about, but if you're meant to pick one that isn't the black bulls, I guess the, the lions, the red lions, is that what their group is? Fuego Leon's group? Crimson lions?
0: As long as we don't, so long as you don't have to put up with the ridiculous boot camp of his sister that they're currently under. Hey, I, I'd probably be very for it. You know mm. what? crazy boot camp to a
1: volcano that's, that's pretty dope especially with my super dope honey mustard magic which i use of course to create uh rail cannons
0: i think i joined purple orca because it's like after you yeah. have you know someone who betrays the kingdom it's like no pressure from that point on <laughs> there's
1: so much pressure they're going to be so hard on your ass to make sure you're not like uh not if, you join, after,
0: not if you join it after you've gone
1: oh no that's when they're going to look nick this is like this is like the state once there's a scandal that 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 section is under the most scrutiny. Then forward, mm-hmm. you want to pick another group because then they're not going to be as focused on that.
0: And then you can actually do do all of your uh, cheating and embezzling and stuff while they're paying attention to the purple orcas.
1: Exactly. <laughs> fucking go with what, the fucking aqua deers. Just join that group. The fucking leader's asleep nine times out of ten. <laughs> fucking sneak uh, a couple fucking paintings into your goddamn base. He just wakes up like, "Oh, what's happening?" And you're like, "Shut up, Rill. And You're like, "Oh, goodbye." I'm a fucking paint dude.
0: Uh, and one last note, uh, esto no es una pregunta, sino un, un recordatorio para mí mismo. A momentos de escribir este mensaje acaban de ser publicados. los anuncios, uh, del regreso del manga Casador X, which is Hunter Hunter. Personalmente yo le doy cuatro semanas, máximo cinco. Tuve la razón. Uh, Basically, how long do you think that this recent return of Hunter Hunters Hunter is going to last? It didn't last that long, unfortunately. It didn't last that long. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, for the record, I did not actually use any translation for that. I So any meaning that I gleaned from that, any mistakes that I made were my own. Uh, So there you go. Thank you for Career Prime. That was interesting to go through. Um, So let's let me- know that I did learn a little bit from from the six years of Spanish I took. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I took two in middle school and four in high school. And so a little bit has stuck with me because it's been 10 years since I've actually practiced. There you go. All right. I think that we've got to finish up now.
1: So. Yep. That is going to do it then for our Q&A. So thank you, everybody, for sending in your questions. Remember, you could still send in questions for the Q&A. Uh, just send them over to Weekly Recap at com. Remember, you can also send in your answers. This month's uh, question we're asking to our audience is if you could make a TV show based on characters for a manga, what kind of show would you make? So when you send that in, just make sure you put answer somewhere in the title. Uh, answer to September's question and answer for what show we'd make. You know, Whatever you want to do, just put answer and it helps us separate it. And uh, we'll read your questions and answers next month on the uh, next Q&A we do. So that is going to do it, guys. And Nick, we need a funny thing to go out on.
0: Uh, donde está la biblioteca?
1: Uh, muy excelente. There we go, guys. <laughs> Nailed it. I can quit Spanish. I'm gonna message, uh, Senorita Alvarez and tell her to fuck off. Or, uh, to fuck off in Spanish. There you go. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye.